0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut! Now Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's 3M Open. That's a lot of letters. Sia Najad is here
1: joining me to break it all down. Hello, Sia. What's going on? I I was just talking to you and uh, Troy about how excited I am. I mean, it's, it's genuine excitement every Monday when pricing comes out, and we get to flirt with the pricing and come up with these awesome teams. And then of course the tournament starts and, you know, things might drift away a little bit, but every Monday we get this. I don't care if it's the open or the 3M let's go. It's awesome. The thing that daily
0: fantasy got right is that for 20 years, the best part about your fantasy football league was the draft. Yes. That bar none, the draft everybody has hope it's exciting you're picking your team you're filling out your roster spots it's fun it's exciting in traditional fantasy football you only got that opportunity once a year the, the the all other things aside the ability to basically start over and draft every single week like that's the key that is the golden ticket it's it is what unlocks why i think daily fantasy Get such a good review.
1: And I think when Daily Fantasy first came out, and the beginnings of this were even pre DraftKings and FanDuel, like 2007 timeframe. I know that because I worked with one of the outfits, a, a small outfit, prior to those two coming out. But I think people thought it would be a chore to do Daily Fantasy. They were like, I don't want to be bothered every week. And then, like, you know, they quickly realized, no, 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 I, I do want to be bothered every week. This is awesome. I, I want to have a different go at it every single week. And that's what you get across all sports, of course, but particularly golf because it's basically year-round. Uh, we are
0: live right now. Did you did you re-X the, the uh, message that, that Troy sent out? No. <laughs> did you see that Twitter is now called X? Oh. So I guess is we're
1: tweeting things. We're re-Xing them. Yeah, it's, you know what's funny about that terminology that was just just flew right over my head. I, I have no idea what all the, the histrionics were yesterday. Like, should we care about this? Is this a thing? I mean, I think it's a, like the website is no longer going to be called Twitter. I guess that's a thing. That's yeah. like the, uh, the, I'm I'm ignorant to this. Is that like really the case? Like, we don't call it Twitter anymore? Uh, apparently,
0: I mean, no, I don't know. It's hard. been a pretty like haphazard, uh, you know rebranding but if you if you trust what elon says uh it's not called twitter anymore it's called wow x
1: and you're gonna send an x and re-x things that is there's just no way that he (laughs) is that the terminology we got to come up with something elon that's not great It's tough scene, real tough scene. I don't know. It's
0: not great. Um, (laughs) The TPC Twin Cities will play host to the 3M Open this week. See ya. And uh, we're back, right? We've got the two weeks Scotland Open Championship. We are rocking and rolling. We are like at the finish line of the FedEx Cup playoffs Uh, this week. Or, excuse me, at the regular season. This week, next week. And then it's the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And I guess this we're going to hear this a lot, right? We're going to have questions and it, like not just today, but throughout the week about, hey, is this guy super motivated because he's on the outside looking in? And I, I think, Rick, you and I kind of deal with those questions the same exact way, right? I mean, I I don't know that Justin Thomas was any less motivated a week ago or six weeks ago than he is now, right?
0: I generally believe if guys could flip a switch, they would flip it much more much earlier than they, than they normally do.
1: That's right. Okay. We're on the same page there.
0: Like, Oh, I'll just wait until two events to go. Then I'll start playing well. No, I'm pretty sure he's been trying very (laughs) hard over the course of the last couple of months. Things haven't been going well for him.
1: And I I think the moral of that story is it doesn't like, to the extent people want to ask, like it doesn't factor in for me that a guy's like teetering. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'd do a tiebreaker, but it would have to be the right golfer who's actually in good form. And if you're in good form, I probably liked you anyway. TBC
0: Twin Cities. Troy wants to share my screen. That'd be splendid. My website, rickrungood.com. Here is the uh, regression model. We've got four years of data for the 3M Open. This came onto the schedule at the same time the Rocket Mortgage Classic did. And see, I think the defining feature of this place is the water. There is water everywhere. Uh, it comes into play on a lot of the tee T shots, a lot of the second shots. There will be someone. It happens every Thursday morning. You wake up. They have already made triple. Mm-hmm. They're already five over, and you're cooked.
1: It happens every 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 year. It's the worst feeling, uh, and and it's why I'm going to be looking at driving accuracy a, a little bit more than I normally would. Um, you know, obviously we've seen people win here like Cam Champ, who are obviously bombers, and then we've seen you know people win here that are you know not bombers or at least top five, top ten that are not bombers. So I, I'm definitely. Rick going to be looking at driving accuracy. Obviously, I'm, I look at this very similar stuff, tournament to tournament as well, like weighted tee to green and approach and things of that nature. But uh, for me, I think I think just being an accurate hitter, uh, particularly off the tee, is going to be pretty important to me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, right? You have to obviously avoid the water. The rough is not super penal. Um, I think that, like, you know, it's weird. Cam Champ, Tony Finau, Matthew Wolf. that's a pretty strong mold of type of golfer that I think is 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 likely to have success around here. It's a par 71, two par fives and two par threes on the backside, just the one par five on the front with the pair of threes. And you know, Michael Thompson uh is kind of the the outlier in terms of winners, but I, I do like what you said. You know, looking at the, the leaderboards as a whole, right? Because that's what this model does. And this model actually doesn't even like driving distance all that much. Because while we've got the winners who are bombers, um, a lot more of golfers, you know, two through 150, uh, when looking at terms of success, like accuracy has actually been more highly or more closely correlated to success.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you, a lot of the guys that we'll talk about, or I should say a lot of the guys that I'm going to bring up on this show, I've sort of already vetted that out. I've looked at accuracy. I've looked at distance too, and I, and I try to like find the right sort of combination like in terms of – how long they are off the tee. I don't want the super short hitters necessarily. So I'm looking for maybe a a touch of length, but it's going to be accuracy. That's going to be paramount for me.
0: And then in terms of field, and we'll obviously discuss the field in a second, when I show the cheat sheet, you know, you've got a couple of names at the top in defending champion, Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama, Cam Young back from the open championship. And then JT we're going to talk about, but it is, um, I think it's a better 3M open field than I would have expected. Maybe it's because you've got guys on the outside looking in. I think the nature, I actually think what ended up happening this year that got lost in the entire mix of everything is that the elevated events and the top 70 in the playoffs made the non-elevated events, events better and kind of got some of these weaker fields that we probably wouldn't have seen be as strong are stronger. And it's just like kind of the nature of the beast with how the schedule is and the, the only 70 guys getting into the playoffs. This is a better field than I would have anticipated.
1: Yeah. I think that the, the number of people getting into the playoffs is, is a key element there because you've got guys like, let's look at the top four. They're all question marks. Maybe not right now. Maybe we have a hot take on, on one or two of these guys. But my point is long term in 2023 at least like they are question marks and they're still fighting for points they're still fighting for position I mean Justin Thomas you know he's way down there but Cameron Young Tony Finau Sung jae Hideki Matsuyama like all of these guys have had several question marks over this entire season whether that be injury related or something else just poor play so it makes a ton of sense that when you reduce the field that's going to make the FedEx Cup playoffs guys like this are going to have to play.
0: All right. Well, we're going to talk about names specifically here. We're going to jump into the cheat sheet, look at the golfers and figure out what we can figure out. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And here we're from our partners. And we're back. This is the cheat sheet at rickrungood.com for golfers over $10,000. Cam Young, 10, nine, Tony Finau, 10, six, Sung J.M. at 10, three and Hideki Matsuyama at 10,000. Bucks. All four of those guys played the Open Championship last week. Tony Finau missed the cut. Sia, how do we want to go at the top of the board?
1: So I don't love any of these guys. I just want to start there because I think a lot of my lineups are going to start in the 9K range. Uh, With that said, you know, there's two guys that I'm at least interested in. And I think a lot of builds are going to start with a 10K guy. And then a 9k guy and then you'll be left with probably around 7500 so then that's when people like to dip into those those collection areas if you will in the low 7k range and then maybe a mid to high 7k guy i think that's how the builds are going to go with that said you know, you were trying to convince me of Cameron Young uh, last week at the Open Championship. And I got to be honest, in the back of my head, Rick, I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing that. And I was clearly wrong. Right. I mean, you know, he didn't have the best Sunday. And obviously the the putting didn't it went well for a little bit, uh, I thought, but it didn't go uh, well at all overall. But he seemed to be back in large part. So he is the one that's the most intriguing to me. And before we get to the further analysis on Young, I'll just tell you the guy that I like second among these four is probably Hideki.
0: Yeah. So it, I always find it interesting when somebody has a really great week is in contention for the vast majority of a major and then they play the next week. And the idea of, well, is he tired? Oh, he's coming back from overseas. Did he spend too much of of the energy? Does he have anything left in the, in the tank? All that fun stuff. If you remove all of that, um, you know what? Cam Young did around Royal Liverpool was gain basically 17 strokes ball striking and uh, gave some of that back in the short game, which has kind of been a little bit of his MO as of late, but that that's that profile for me is like kind of perfect around TPC twin cities. Now, if you want to, uh, avoid that because, Hey, listen, he might be tired and he's never played here before. And there's another guy in the 10 K range that I like more, more power to you. Um, I, I think that I'm probably more bullish on Sung than you are at 10,300, but the Hideki thing is interesting because he's been, I believe see a significantly better than anybody kind of realizes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not a bunch of top five finishes, but it's basically him finishing between 13th and 32nd in every event for 10 straight. And
1: for the record when you look at weighted T to green and maybe you should backtest uh what I've done already on your site but if you look at weighted T to green last 24 rounds he's number 1 here and I think that's when you really want to like factor in weighted T to green or weighted anything when you've got some of these lesser fields uh, you you start to see oh you know relative to some of these guys he's not he's not actually hitting it as poorly as the the raw data is suggesting
0: yeah, so the weighted strokes gain stuff gets Hideki to the top of the board because of uh, you know the fields that he is playing in. But even the raw, the raw numbers, he's the third best player in this field over the last mm-hmm. 36. He is back on approach. He is the third best player on approach in the last 36. Um, I, I think I said in my Monday show, like I, you, I was stunned that he finished T13. I don't think I saw a single Hideki Batsuyama shot last week.
1: Yeah, I, it's a good point. Maybe early in the tournament, I saw a couple, uh, but yeah, there was, there seemed to be no coverage of him whatsoever. Yeah. So a bunch
0: of like top 15 finishes as of late, you look at his history around the three M open. He had that T seven in 2019 and then a WD in 2022, which I'm pretty sure he like hit a couple in the water on the same hole and pieced out, which kind of a which
1: I think is hilarious. Yeah, that, that adds up. Uh, that, that's going to happen from time to time. But yeah, no, I, I definitely think he's in better form than people think. And for the record, I, I don't think people are really going to go. They're not going to want to go to him in the 10K range. They'll probably want to go to Cameron Young because they they like what they recently saw. And that makes a lot of sense. And then they'll go to Tony Finau because he's just such a household name, former champion. Obviously, I should say last year's champion. So I don't think Deki or Sungjae are going to get a ton of attention.
0: Our defending champion is Tony Finau. Our defending champion won what is that eight nine starts ago? Since then, not good. Uh, however, could I entice you with a little bit of course history? T23, third, t28 win.
1: Not this isn't this isn't doing it for you it's not because I'm trying to get away from course history a little bit now the thing about fee now is he's good enough where he fits into the category of player where I think he can turn it on at any given moment and therefore he could absolutely win this uh this 3m open but yeah or this 3m championship I I, I just don't know that I want to pay for Tony fee now I mean I, I don't hate it uh, but I, I just I just don't, like, I haven't seen anything. Like, look at the stat profile. Like, what are we seeing? Forget about the history just for a second. What are we seeing here that, like, gives us any sort of glimmer of hope?
0: Uh, uh, For me, nothing. You know, losing multiple strokes with the putter in basically six of seven when that was something that was very strong during his winning run. The fact that he is basically a tour average approach player when that is something that was very strong during his winning run. The fact that he's kind of driving it just – OK. I mean, this mm-hmm. is uh, again, talk about flipping switches unless he's going to show up at TPC Twin Cities uh, and just say, oh, I like this place a lot. I'm going to start playing well. I,
1: I I don't necessarily see that in the cards. I do think he can turn the putter around because we know he's been a good putter in the past, uh, at least for stretches. And he's put well, he's putted well here. And these are these are not the type of greens where. Bad putters necessarily have really bad putting days. I mean, we've seen that even with, with Grillo, for example, he, you know, he's a he's a much better putter now, but back then he wasn't. And he's been pretty great on these screens. Doug Gim's another guy. Last year, I think he was, we'll talk about him later. I think he was T16, and he gained, I think, four strokes or something like four strokes putting. And, and that was back when Doug Gim, you know, wasn't putting well either. He typically doesn't putt well for the record. But yeah, I think he can turn that part around, but I don't want to pay the price here.
0: The nine K range. Before we get into that, see, I have breaking news. Ooh, a tweet is now called a
1: no. Z- there's no way.
0: ZI. This is from X's help center on how to zit. How would you pronounce that? Zit? Yeah,
1: like like Xerox, like a Xerox. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: There you go. I am zit and re disappointed. This is ridiculous. That's pretty good. All right, the nine k range. Should we just play anyone and everyone who has an X in their name? How many golfers could that be this week? That's the strokes gain. Ryan Fox. Boom. He's in. There we go. (laughs) I'm not sure we're going to have enough. Is he the only one? (laughs) (laughs) Russell Knox. Trey Moldex. Nice. Um, Getting somewhere. Oh boy, we might be in trouble. That might. No Xander.
1: No Xander this week.
0: Nobody in the 10K, right? We oh. could
1: ask how to
0: put an X in his name. No one would notice. He's got enough letters. Emiliano Grillo, 97. Sepp 95. Ludwig Aberg, 94. Justin Thomas, Gary Woodland, Steven Yeager, Cam Davis in the 9K range. You teased us by saying uh, that you might start your lineups here.
1: So what do you like so much about this? Yeah, I like the I like the two guys at the top of the nine k range. Uh, I wonder how popular each of them are going to be. I mean, I I, I don't want to invest in a ninety seven hundred below that's going to be like twenty percent. But I don't know that he's going to get that high because I think that's really the sentiment of a lot of people. As oh, you're looking for the X's. So that's fantastic. There's Max our ex-
0: There's exactly six of them: Nora, Alex, Norin, Max McGreevy, Russell Knox, Ryan Fox, Trey Molinex, Tyson Alexander. Ships all the money this week.
1: Wow. All right. Well, let's, let's play that Tyson Alexander has his work cut out for him. That's for sure. But yeah, so I like Grillo. I mean, obviously he has excellent history here, which I just said, I, you know, I, I tend to disregard lately, but you can't disregard it when it's as good as it has been. It's very compelling. And he fits like everything I want to, I want to look for in a golfer, like weighted tee to green. The accuracy is there for him. Distance is okay for him. Green's in regulation. He's doing that right. Um, There's really not an argument against him other than he's Emiliano Grillo and he's, he's 9,700. So between him and Straka, for example, I actually feel much more comfortable about Seth Straka, who I played last week and kind of crushed it in DFS last week. I mean, he's elite approach play. He checks really all the strokes gain metrics boxes when he's in this, when he's in the competition late on a Sunday, like he does not buckle. We saw it last week, but we also saw it at the John Deere classic fourth weighted tee to green last 24 rounds here. I mean, this guy is just doing everything right.
0: Yeah, he's I mean, yeah, he's been he's been phenomenal. What do you how popular do you
1: think he's going to be? I think this whole 9k range between Grilo, Straka and Aberg specifically, I think they're all going to be in like the 15 to 18% range. I don't think any of them are going to be crazy popular. Okay. Um, so Grillo
0: and Sepp Straka kind of made a run at the end of last week. Uh, but Straka is now on kind of a two week run, you know, John Deere classic. He wins runner off finish at the open championship. Is this fool's gold or are we getting like good Sepp Straka now?
1: We're getting good Seb Straka because, I mean, let's go back a little bit further. Like P- T7 at the PGA Championship, that's not nothing. I mean, he, he made the cut at the Masters, T16 at the Memorial. Like these are packed fields where not only is he making the cut in large part, but he's top 20-ing them as well. And I just he's, – he's one of those guys where, first of all, the putter's really working for him, but he wasn't that bad of a – I mean, he, he had some issues, but like he was, he was gaining with the putter too. But what I love about him is on Sunday he seems unflappable. He's just one of those guys that I think you can lean into like, Hey, just like Brian Harmon last week, he's, he's just not going to buckle on a Sunday. And and that's the part I really love because that's the type of guy that doesn't just get you like in the conversation in DFS. He actually gets you to the finish line. The rest
0: of this nine K range, um, There's obviously some good, some bad, some indifferent. I guess we have to talk about Justin Thomas at $9,300 off of another miscut. Now four out of six, uh, a season to be forgotten for JT going and adding this event to his calendar because he is desperate, which is not necessarily the type of uh, reason that I like my golfers playing.
1: Are you buying here? (sighs) I haven't bought this entire season. I will say this, though, if we have gotten to such a low point with Justin Thomas from a DFS standpoint that like nobody's going to play him. I do think that in this field with these greens specifically, you could see because I think the Justin Thomas thing is more of a I mean, I'm just speculating. I think it's more of a confidence thing than anything. And if he gets going, particularly on the greens and maybe has a nice ball striking day, which, you know, we're not that far removed. Wells Fargo, RBC Heritage Masters. Uh, He was at least okay with the ball striking, And prior to that as well, Valspar, the players. So if he can get some confidence in round one, given what this field composition is, I don't hate playing Justin Thomas. But he would for me to play him for once, it would it would have to be like everyone's ignoring him. He's seven percent. And then I'd be like, all right, you know, maybe not my main lineup, but I'll, I'll definitely pepper him in at that point.
0: Yeah, I'm probably living in like the Aberg Cam Davis category. I'm a sucker for Cam Davis, so I don't not necessarily recommend this. But um, I think there's a couple of decent crossovers for TPC Twin Cities. It's like Twin Cities, Rocket Mortgage. I don't mind Honda. Sepp Straka's has won at Honda. Cam Davis has played well at Rocket Mortgage. Obviously, he's won there. Like that's the type of crossovers that I'm looking for. And I don't think Cam Davis is the worst, and honestly, he's nine thousand dollars, which is it's too much. I I don't think he's going to be very popular at
1: all. I don't I don't think so either. I think he's interesting. I mean, he he fits. He's he, he's such a he's such an up or down player, which makes him a pretty good DFS option. You know, I think you could have like a lineup that merges a couple of different things like Cameron Young and Cameron Davis. And then you go conservative with with some of the, the lesser talented players that have the, the accuracy that that personally I'm looking for. I think you could have lineups with some of the because Cameron Davis's accuracy. Obviously, that that's not a good look at 54.2 percent. But with that said, we've seen guys like that that have succeeded here. So I think you could have a blend in your lineups of. of Maybe one or two guys like that that have that have ceiling upside, but then some guys that are like a little bit more conservative, like let's say in that seven K range, for example,
0: I I just go back and keep thinking about cam champ winning here. And yeah, I get it. He just blasts, blasted it all over the yard. Just as if you keep it out of the water, you can hit anywhere else you want. Just keep it dry. Mm-hmm. 8K range. Uh, we will get to that. We'll go to the sevens. We'll find some value in the sixes and we will read off the narrative lineups for the week. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. The $8,000 range starts with Adam Hadwin and JJ Spawn. It goes down to Vincent Norman and Bo Hostler. So, Sia, how can we start to allocate our funds here?
1: So, I hate this range no but the guy I love the most is going to be the most chalky guy and it's not gonna be close uh, I'm
0: assuming I I do not have my finger on the pulse of this
1: Vincent Norman that's a good guess but give me a second guess because I promise you you'll be right on your second guess <laughs> can't get this one. I have no idea uh, Glover Lucas Glover. How can you not like Lucas Glover in this field at 8,200, given what we know about him with the ball striking and what the metrics are going to say? Cause I think models are going to love him too T to green approach, all of those things, but it's the putter that he's really rebounded with in a big way. And so like, where, wh- where are you scared? People want to play the guy that they're like comfortable with that they think has some win equity. How is Lucas Glover right now, at least from a perception standpoint, how is he not that guy?
0: Fourth, Sixth and fifth in his last three starts in which he has been a ball striking magician. He has also uh, well-documented switched to that long broom style putter and is starting to get much more comfortable with it. He is telling us that uh, and also it is showing up in his statistics. So, okay, yeah, that's a good one. I just forgot about him because I haven't seen him in a while.
1: But yes, that's Holby popular. And yeah, so that's that you're gonna have to make a judgment call there. I mean, I I don't know, I don't want to really guess what his popularity is gonna be, but I gotta think a lot of builds are gonna be 10K guy, 9K guy, and maybe you include Lucas Glover and then you just swim in those low 7K waters. I I don't think that's gonna be most builds necessarily, but I'm definitely, if if Lucas Glover is going to be, Honestly, I'll I'll play Lucas Glover at 18% unless he's like 24% or something at that point, I'll be out. But I've got a lot of confidence in this guy right now. So I'm in on Lucas Glover. The only other guy, Rick, that I'll mention because I don't like this range is Adam Hadwin. I don't think a ton of people are going to want to play Adam Hadwin. He's just not one of those names that pops to people, but really good history here for whatever that's worth. But He's he's definitely like lately been doing some things right, so I think he's a guy at eighty nine hundred that's just expensive enough to get ignored, and I and I might go ahead and take a shot there.
0: Fourth, sixth, and thirty eighth for Adam Hadwin here. I wh- wh- I love this range. Mm, okay, okay, good. I'm we, in the, I mean, I want to be in the minority here, Rick. We've got Vincent Norman, who just won Barbassal, finished t twenty five at Barracuda, and is basically a younger, better camp champ where he just absolutely annihilates the ball and can pile up a bunch of birdies. Like, love that around this place. I don't particularly play Patrick Rogers regularly, but he's coming off a runner-up finish. Actually, I will say this. Patrick Rogers is about to regress very hard back to earth. He he had by far his best approach week last week by like six full shots. Now, he's been around for a long time. And outside of that, he's missed like five cuts in a row. Uh, There is, Patrick Rogers is about to, Smash back into Earth's surface um, <laughs> based on the stats. What else do we have? Mark Mark Hubbard is popping up in everything that I do. Course fit, uh recent form, the power rankings, uh history around this place. I think he's got a T16, and the only time he's played it, he's a ball-striking nut. He keeps it in play. I I will live in the eights. Freak yeah, hub. Bo Hostler was in it last week. He's sneaky long, plays well. Like, I love this area.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Hustler's interesting. Uh, he can be a little erratic too. I think that might be the problem. He is really long off the tee. I mean, I, I definitely think like that that's a good thing for him. I don't know. I, I, Bo, Bo is fine. I, I see a lot of these guys really combusting, not just Patrick Rogers. I see maybe Sahif combusting. Oh. Uh, Keith Mitchell. Uh, Mark hubbards he's OK. He didn't really rate out very well in, in what, what I looked at for whatever that's worth, uh, which might not be much, although weighted approach. He was excellent. I, I, I got to give him that. So Hubbard did rate out really, really yeah, well there.
0: I, Sahith, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, it's he's missed two cuts in a row. The street, the cut street finally ended and then he missed two in a row. He sprays it all over the yard. I think he's uh, – I think he played too much, honestly. I, I, this is a very, very heavy schedule, and he doesn't have – he doesn't have an individual top 25 since Harbor Town. I mean, even when he was making cuts, it wasn't particularly pretty. I'm, I'm worried about stuff. I think he needs to take a couple weeks off, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think he's a guy maybe to consider if everybody else thinks that too because I could see a scenario where at 8,700 in particular, like – I just can't imagine people clicking that button. So we know he has the upside and because it's a watered down field uh, and it's a pretty straightforward test. I, I mean, maybe at, at, you know, if he's 5%, that would be somebody to consider.
0: The sevens, Aaron Ryan, Nikolai Hoygaard talked about cam, or excuse me, mentioned cam champ defending or not defending champion, past champion here. Uh, See, you mentioned Doug Gim. He's at 7,400 goes down to Kevin Strillman, Dylan Wu, uh, Mac Hughes, So who are some of the names we can start trusting here?
1: So one name that I don't necessarily trust, but I think his price is interesting, and I would have thought he would have been, I don't know, like 8,600, something like that, is Eric Cole at 7,800. Uh, so, okay. Elite putter for one. Uh, so that's, that's, that's good. I'm not factoring putting a ton off the tee has been an issue recently, like accuracy and length is not just accuracy, not just length. It's kind of both, but everything else checks out. And if he can just be like, I almost think this is more of like a discipline thing with Eric Cole. If he can just be a little bit better or just a little bit more disciplined off the tee. He checks every other box. And we know he can go out there and contend on a Sunday. I think that's my favorite part. When you have four guys at the top that all have questions, and when you have a 9K range that's usually a a high 7K range, that's when I like to look at Eric Cole, who, again, I would think would be in the mid 8K range, if not the high 8K range, and say, okay, this guy can go get himself a win here. Uh, yeah, he's been,
0: he's been playing, playing great golf. I mean, he's been piling up decent finishes along the way. Akshay got himself his first victory last week as well. I'll be interested to see what Austin Eckrow does. Remember he was, you know, the next hot thing for a couple of weeks there. See And then he makes the cut at the Scottish open. Hasn't played since then. And I wonder how many people forgot about him because he was putting up some pretty incredible numbers. Now, granted they've, they've fallen off a little bit. Um, but man, I mean this is like all the upside in the world, a runner up at Byron Nelson, a T-10th at the U S open. Like, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah. And he still rates out really well, even, even in spite of the bad last couple of tournaments, he still rates out really well to me. So I think at 7,500, that that's a pretty good bargain too. We're buying low, right? Because not only on his price, but maybe on his ownership too, because of what we've seen lately. But yeah, I'm in on Austin.
0: <sighs> I will take a flyer on. Garrick Higgo.
1: Ooh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, if I want long, inaccurate drivers who seem to be figuring it out a little bit, I think that's Garrett Kigo. T twenty, excuse me, T thirty-three, T twenty one, T nineteen in his last three. So I guess we're on pace for like a T seventeen here, uh this time around. Drives it beautifully, starting to play with a little bit more confidence. Incredibly volatile, but I that's a that's a dart I'm willing to throw.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh so there's three guys I have here. Um I'll, I'll just hit you with one and I'll see if you hit one of the other two because these are three guys I've I've been playing a lot lately. Some to my detriment, but mostly it's been positive. Doug Gim, I mentioned spoiler alert uh from a, from a few minutes ago. 7400. I I think this is a great price. I think he's another guy that you could put at in this field 77 7800 and I don't think he's going to get a ton of ownership although it will be elevated a bit, but checks the way to T the green box accuracy, greens in regulation, he's great there. Actually, last 24 rounds, he's number one, best in the field uh, in greens and regulation. The length is decent. He's not super short. He's certainly not long, uh, but the length is decent. I, I think Doug Gimm's one of those guys that we see with the finishing positions. It hasn't been terrible over the last you know few months. I think, I think he's ready to, to top 10 a tournament. Yeah,
0: playing much better. I mean, I can give a lot of guys... If you go overseas and and if you're an American who goes overseas and doesn't play well at the Scottish and or the open, I'm pretty much fine with that. Like I'm not gonna hold that against you when you were piling up great results over here on more traditional PGA tour style golf course. I mean, that that run of uh, good golf. He played basically half, half, if not more, of those courses were TPCs, and these TPCs are made for PGA Tour players to play target golf. Go out there, hit your numbers. Like I, I, I do not care that he missed the cut at the Scottish Open. And the putter seems to be improving too. What about Cam Champ, <laughs> I, I just think that uh, Cam Champ has never needed form to play well. Ever. He's got a little bit right now. T-17, the Barracuda, 11 strokes, ball striking. You look at how he played you know, coming into this event last year, five straight miscuts, T-16, right? I mean, he's done this countless times throughout his career where he just like snaps out of it on a golf course that's good for him. And you have to say TPC Twin Cities is a good course for him, a win and a 16. So uh, that I'm much less confident in. But if I was ever going to play Cam Champ, it would be now and here
1: yeah I, i'm not gonna play him but i totally understand why you would and for the record the his finish at the, last week at the barracuda that's that's not nothing i mean that's you know it's not it wasn't a horrific field it wasn't it wasn't a good one for obvious reasons but uh that, that's encouraging that he was top 20 there all right i've got two more on my list so i'm gonna start with Chez I mean, I've probably said his name like four or five weeks in a row at this point, continues to make cuts. Um, we've seen some upside with him with, with the fourth place finish at the Travelers. It's the approach play and the putting and just generally, you know, likely keeping it in the fairway that I like. I mean, he's just kind of one of those boring players that I think you could – You could you could have an aggressive lineup with aggressive players and throw Shazrivi in there and maybe be okay. But the putter has regressed a little bit lately. But we saw he went on a run with the putter and he's been on a run with approach. So he's one of those guys that I think um, you could get a top 25 out of.
0: Who's the other one? Because I think I'm basically out of guys here.
1: It's Lee Hodges, another guy I, I talk about quite a bit. And he wasn't good. And I played him a little bit last week, mind you. Uh, but I I wasn't surprised when he wasn't very good. I mean, look what he did with his short game, right? I mean, he was not very good off the tee or on approach, but he wasn't terrible. He lost over six strokes uh, combined around the green and, and with the putter. Uh, third tee to green at the 3M in 2022. So know that going in. Uh, he's missed three out of the last four cuts, but he still grades out really well for me. Uh, putter can get hot doesn't usually, but it can get hot and he's gained ball striking in five of his last eight tournaments. So I just think he's one of those guys that kind of gets missed on people's radar. He has one of those boring names and just doesn't really, you know, flash too much. But again, in this field, I think Lee Hodges can do something.
0: The six K range starts with Andrew Novak, Chad Ramey, Michael Kim, Adam long. The middle is, Bryce Garnett, Austin Smotherman, Aaron Battley, The bottom, the min-priced golfers. Oh, one of our X-Men, Tyson Alexander, Scott Harrington, Kyle Westmoreland.
1: Find me somebody, see you. Well, uh, Chad Ramey is the first person that came up for me. Um, first of all, he's made three cuts in a row. Uh, rates out pretty well. Weighted tee to green, uh, accuracy, greens in regulation, not super short, so should be able to attack. You know, some of the some of the reachable par fives. Uh, he's just one of those guys that can get really hot. So at sixty nine hundred, what's that? Five cuts in a row. Oh, is it five cuts in a row? Five cuts in a row. Oh, fair enough. Even better than I thought. I think that would like shock a lot of people. Clearly, it just shocked me because I I thought it was just three, but he's made, of- he's made nine of his last eleven cuts. That shocks me. There you go. I mean, so he's one of those guys, I think people think, oh yeah, play him in showdown and, and that that might be the play for Chad Ramey. But I think the the larger point is he's stringing together four rounds uh, on a pretty routine basis at this point. And he, and he happens to rate out pretty well for me as well. So Ramey at 6,900. Adam Long hasn't been good, but the the history here is, is really good. So I think some people will be playing him. I see my guy Carson Young at 6,800. Recent history hasn't been good, but... I still think he's okay here. I think at 6,800, I'd probably be willing to take a chance. Lonto Griffin uh, came out. He popped a bit for me. Um, you know, the accuracy is good. Greens and regulation are good for, for Lonto. And then I got one other name that's really interesting because he's 6,200. Uh, do you want to guess who it is if you want to play that game? Probably not. It's probably a big 6,200 range, is it? It's like eight or nine golfers. All right. So you
0: can um guess. I think you are going to say, I have no idea. Um, What would you be looking for? If you like Reevee, do you like Brian Stewart? Mm, I don't know if that's it. Could be Andrew Landry. He's like a sneaky guy that pops up.
1: I'm going to go with Landry. Good guess. It's Satoshi Kodaira. Who? Has missed his last two cuts at the Barracuda and Barbasol, but he doesn't like he has been making, I think, a, a few more cuts than people think. Um, the putter can sometimes get hot, ball striking can sometimes get there. But what I really like about him is I think he's probably going to stay out of trouble. He's accurate. Um, I think his from an accuracy standpoint on your site, Rick, I believe he was top 10 uh last 24 rounds, which is not nothing. Uh, right. G- the Greens and Regulation numbers are solid. Um, it's very yeah. not, yeah. Yeah, very accurate. So he's not super short. He's in that kind of too low two nineties range. He's just at 6200. I don't think you need to go down there to make your lineup work because it's not a situation where we're trying to grab like last week, like like Rory and, and Scotty Scheffler. But I think Kedai going to make the cut that that's my call there. And I, I think he, you know, he's probably not going to do much for you on the weekend, but he's just one of those outliers that I think maybe should be in like the 6,600 range.
0: I'll give you the flyer of all flyers here. Uh, I believe he's $6,500, uh, Frankie Sappin. He is wow. on the corn fairy tour. He's 32nd in their standings. He is, uh, in, in inner circles of like, people who go to these events every single week and are like very very deep in this they love this guy. Uh he fl- he bombs it. He makes a ton of birdies. He's like top 20 in driving distance on the corn ferry, top 10 in birdie or better. He's got the 14th on the corn ferry a couple weeks ago, 4th the week before that. He's got a c- couple top 10s. He's all over the yard. He can miss a lot of cuts. Uh he's like a Minnesota kid, which is rare because they don't they don't play a lot of golf year round, but uh Frankie Sappin. I've heard someone in the know say he's he will he's like the favorite to be the PGA Tour rookie of the year. Whenever that happens,
1: maybe next year. Wow. Okay. He's very very highly regarded. All right. I mean that's pretty good finishes on the Corn Ferry Tour. I can't argue with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, he. May, I mean, he. It's like top tens or missed cuts. Which honestly, for sixty five hundred
1: bucks, like great. I was sure that was uh, that was pronounced capin, but you seem to be yes, it is not all right
0: <laughs> i've made I've made that mistake frankie sapin c a p a n for those just listening all right.
1: Mm-hmm. Troy Merritt did pop up for me. I see him at, at 6,900. I, I don't think I'm going to get around to playing him, however. It's really, honestly, for me, it's Chad Ramey. That's my favorite guy. And some of those other guys I, I might speculate with on like a, a small end lineup when I'm trying to do something super different at, at the top of the board. But it's probably Chad Ramey and nobody else. In that the range.
0: the biggest endorsement for starting the 9K range is the 6K range. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't have to go down there. Yeah. I am under the impression we've we've been getting lots of stroke
1: and narrative lineups, a lot, yeah, more I, than actually more than ever. Which I I honestly wouldn't have thought that would be the case this long into it, but I, it feels like it's actually gaining momentum instead of uh, the opposite.
0: Well, that's great news because if you like narratives and you like fun, you can submit a lineup based on really anything that you want uh, before the week, and then use the hashtag SG. narrative it's probably not even called a hashtag anymore. It's probably called
1: a hash zit. Oh no. Oh no, this is a terrible day.
0: I'm going to change my website to X run good.
1: Z first
0: cut. Z first cut. Um, and then if they're good or they get in in time or they're creative or they're different or whatever, see ya and Troy compile them and put them into the show. And then Troy, uh, shares them right now so that I can read them. Thank you, Troy. HV three tracker, which really should be XXX tracker. Um, 3M open. You know what else has 3Ms? Mammoth. Oh. Oh. Here's a lineup inspired by other extinct animals. So this is like a wooly mammoth.
1: Mm-hmm. All
0: right. Got it. Marty Dodo, which I assume is Marty Dow.
1: hmm
0: <sighs> Ludwig. Saberg tooth tiger. Nice. That's good. Sahith Megalodon. Stegosaurus Knox. Peter Malnauti Rex and Tricera Tom Hogie. Wow. Some good knowledge of extinct animals. Are those all extinct? I guess they are.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Okay.
0: That's sad. Oracle says playoff bubble boys. Oh, the playoff bubble boys. Davis Thompson, son, you better start making some birdies. Absolutely ain't in the top 70 Hodges. Ouch. Lee Hodges. Oh no. This one got me. Garrick, he go home in 2 weeks. <laughs> Justin needs some more points. <laughs> Joel Damon in his house watching the Wyndham. That's, he, doesn't, he doesn't get to play the Wyndham? He doesn't even get to play that? <laughs> he doesn't even get, get to the last regular season. He's got to go home. And just out, not just in the playoffs, Thomas. Wow. That's clever. It's a lot of negativity, but it's pretty good. Got Troy. Jason's Garage Gym says 3M open. So here are some things you write on Post-it notes. Did you know Post-it notes, uh, Stickies? That was, uh, I believe, an accidental invention. I did not know that. They were trying to do something with adhesive. And the guy made, it's just a very light adhesive that doesn't, you know, leave a residue and it wasn't nearly strong enough for what they were trying to do. And it ended up just being perfect for like household notes.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Here are some other things you write on a shopping list. Wow. No. On a post-it note, Luke shopping list, Austin cooking instructions, Justin, something important. Tano Goya formation. Nice. Sung J important task and Satoshi pass Kadaira.
1: Luke list withdrew, by the way, Passcode? Yes, he did. Just Grayson uh, Murray is now in the field. I hope he gets pricing. Cause I, I kind of like Grayson Murray.
0: He's played. <laughs> he's been good. Ryan, the fantasy bunker says we had to th- head to the twin cities, home of the mall. Home to the Mall of America, so here are a few of my favorite old school mall stores: Cameron Champion, Champ, right? Mm-hmm. Pac Sun JM SHNM Kim Toys R Russell Knox <laughs> Toys R Us. They don't exist
1: anymore. No, Close shop. None of them. None of them. They're gone. Damn. Basically. Amazon, man. Amazon took over everything. Oh, yeah, it's a tough scene.
0: Uh, Christian Urban Bezaden Outfitters. Ludwig, Aberg, Crombie, and Fitch. I think that still exists. It does.
1: But they, it's still old school. It still oh, qualifies Christian. as an old school shop. Yes.
0: No, I got it. But uh, yeah, because pa- Paxton still exists.
1: Rick, have you shopped at all of those places in your life? <laughs> at least once? I have. Maybe not
0: PacSun. I was not like a cool, like hip kid. Uh, not H&M, I don't think. Toys R Us, not Urban Outfitters either. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty, I don't think I was hip enough for these places. John Marcos. 3M, the number three. Simple. Uno, dos, tres, Three men and a twaybee. <laughs> <laughs> You're once, twice, three times a Raimi. Third rock from the sun, G- Jay. <laughs> Threes, compa, Nico, Echeverria. And baby, it's 3 a.m. I must be lonely Hodges. Who sings that song, Rick? Maybe it's 3 a.m. I must be lonely Hodges. Um how old is it?
1: Is it like 20?
0: Okay.
1: No, it's like 20 years old. Maybe a touch more, like 23 years old. I'm gonna ballpark it there. Um, what genre? Rock. And the 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 band name has an X in it. Wow, this is fitting.
0: That's actually that should be very helpful.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's the last letter of the first of two words. That's game be, set match box twenty. Now we're talking. Yes,
0: well done. All right, congratulations everyone who submitted your strokes Gay narratives. Very fun.
1: ya, um, any final thoughts before we get out of here on the three M Open? Well, for one, uh, there were a lot more strokes narrative lineups. We just can't put them all on here. So everybody that was super creative that didn't make it come back next week and and submit another one. But listen, I'm really excited about this tournament. I I think from a pricing standpoint, once you get past the top four, I just think it's just like it's all melted into like you got like 40 guys that could you could argue could be different prices. So don't be beholden to the pricing or the ranges. Just make what you think is a good lineup and go from there. If you want to read the rest of the Strokes Game narratives, head
0: on over to X and see if you can find them with a hashtag of uh, a hash hash zit of SG narrative. See if you can find it. And uh, we'll see you on X. We'll we'll be Zet. If you want to zit at Sia, you can find him at Sia Najad. If you want to zit at me, you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been uh, First X Cut. See you next time. (laughs) I'm